0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. So we've been going through this series, uh, A Better Way, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And so Galatians 5 and 22 It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Pastor Josh has laid a foundation so expertly on the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor Jackson and Pastor Sarah have built on that. And I just wanted to put my little brick on this foundation before we get into understanding faithfulness. And so what I want to do is talk about why Paul writes the letter to the Galatians, and I think that's very key to understanding what he's getting at when he gets to talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So the situation that, we're, that they're facing here is that Galatians have received the message of hope, the message of truth, the message of Ephesians 2 and verse twenty, uh, and verse 20, talking about salvation by grace through faith. And that's the message that they have received. And so now people are coming over and they're saying, hey, listen, you've got to tag on the stuff that was happening during the time of Moses if you truly, truly want to walk in the way of truth and the way that God has called you to walk in. And so Paul is writing to them and then we meet this at chapter five and verse one and he says it is for freedom that Christ has died and set you free. Why would you want to again enslave yourselves with the law, a yoke of slavery that you're going to put on yourself? And so he goes on to deliberate on that, and then he goes on to say something that is very key for us to understand what we're talking about. He says, the works of the flesh are obvious, and then he talks about sexual immorality, debauchery, and all that other stuff that he talks about. When it comes to the spirit, he doesn't say the work of the spirit, he says the fruit of the spirit. And the reason why he's saying the fruit of the spirit is because you've got to understand that the work has already been done. There is no way that you can have fruit without work. So the work has already been done and so laid. And so Jesus Christ is the foundation of this work. And so the work has been done. So because the work has been done, you cannot tag on ritualistic, religious exercises to what Jesus has done in order to prove that you walk in the Spirit. So now he's teaching them, you've got to see the differentiation. When you're seeing people that are coming to you with the ministry, you've got to see what it is they're coming with. If they're walking in the flesh, this is what they look like. But if they're walking in the spirit, then this is what they look like. They have the fruit of the spirit because they are led by the spirit. And so he goes on to talk about the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So it's kind of like this. If I have a banana, grape, raspberry salad, take out the raspberry, I no longer have a banana, grape, raspberry salad. So it's the same with the fruit. If you say, I got love, joy, peace, but I don't have patience, that's no longer the fruit of the spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is all of that together. It's fruit, not fruits. So which means that God wants to make manifest in you the fruit of the Spirit, which means you have access to love, joy, peace, yeah. patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the scripture finishes against Such there is no law, which means that there's nothing ritualistic that I can do to show the depth of my love. There's nothing ritualistic that I can do to to show the depth of my faithfulness, because there's no law attached to the fruit of the spirit, and that's where you find true liberty. So, what is my responsibility? Because I have a responsibility, and that's found in Galatians two and twenty. I've been crucified with Christ. It is I that no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and gave himself up for me. So which means my responsibility to the message of understanding the fruit of the Spirit is faith. My responsibility and my job is faith. So what I want to do today, I don't have you know, the commercials that talk about the miracle product that's going to change your life forever. I don't have that product. I don't have those three points that's all of a sudden going to give you step one, step two, and all of a sudden, boom, you've got faithfulness now. But what I hope to do is to inspire your heart to desire to grow in faith. Because when you grow in faith, you grow in faithfulness. So, the three things that I want to do, we're going to talk about the framework of faithfulness. That's the first thing. Then the next thing I want to do is talk about the posture of faithfulness. And then I'm going to finish off talking about the benefits of faithfulness. So we'll talk about the framework of faithfulness, the posture of faithfulness, and then we'll talk about the benefits of faithfulness. So the framework of faithfulness, the root word for faithfulness is faith. That's a rude word. And Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by? And hearing? The word of God. Not the sound of God, not the tune of God, but the word of God, which means faithfulness works in the framework of a word. The word can come in the form of a vow. It can come in the form of a commandment. It can come in the form of a promise. It can come in the form of a principle. But the word that is framing it is what you've got to be faithful to. Okay, so I've been married for eight years now. I got it right in first service. I thought I was going to get it wrong, so eight years. So I've been married for eight years now. And so I stood before the guy who was doing the thing, and I stood there, and I vowed, and I made my vow, and I said, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, to sickness and health and, and all that good stuff. So it doesn't matter if I'm massaging my wife's feet every night and being this hopeless romantic to her. If I'm not faithful to the vow, I'm unfaithful. Yeah. I've gotta be faithful to the vow for me to be considered faithful. I've gotta be faithful to the promise for me to be considered faithful. So what does this mean? Do you understand the word of God enough to be faithful to it? Because here we sit and we're waiting to be ministered to. We're waiting for God to say something to us. But for us, in order for us to walk in this faithfulness, we've got to know what the word of God is saying. What are you being faithful to? Because you assume that, that when I'm faithful, when I lift up my hands and worship him. That's right. That's good. You ought to do that. You come to church and you sit down and you, 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 you worship with other people. That's awesome. But there is a word that God has given to you, a call, a commandment that he has placed in your life and you've got to understand that word in order to be faithful to it. Because if you don't have the word, if you don't have that, 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 the word that comes from it to understand his commandments, his precepts, his statutes, you're not going to be faithful. Because you have no recognition of what that word is. So here's the thing, to be faithful to God is to be faithful to his word. Yeah, that's right. And here's the an awesome thing. The true test of faithfulness comes in the testing of your life. That's why you face tests in life. So every test that you're facing, every struggle that's coming to you, whether you wake up in the morning and you're not sure what's going to happen, all that is asking you, how faithful are you? How faithful are you to believe that this God is able? You say that God can heal, but when you say that God can heal, you understand that in one way, and that is God is able. But then if you understand that he is able, do you understand yourself to believe that to be true that he would do it for you? So you believe in him, but then you fail to believe in yourself. We face tests in life, continually facing tests in life, and those tests are out to show you the level at which you are at in faith. There are two things that cause us to struggle to be faithful. Number one is a lack of understanding. So you have no comprehension or understanding of the word of God or you have no comprehension or understanding of the vow, of the promise or the precept so it becomes impossible for you to be faithful to it. So you've got to have understanding. That's why the Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding because once you get understanding then you position yourself to have the ability to be faithful. Number two is you're not fully persuaded. And that's what I want to talk about. You lack understanding, so you struggle to function in faithfulness, or you're not fully persuaded. So I want to talk about the second point here, which is my posture in faithfulness. If my posture in faithfulness is seeing myself continually as unworthy, unable, not important, it's going to be difficult for me to be faithful. To be fully persuaded in God means I'm fully persuaded about what he says about me. So when I'm fully persuaded that God says He is able, I've also got to be fully persuaded that He is the he- I, that I am the head and not the tail. That I'm above only and not beneath. That I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. That I can boldly approach the throne of grace and call unto God. I've got to have that position in me when I come to the place of worship. When I come into His presence to know that I am who He says I am. But the reason we continually struggle and we have doubt. See, the thing is, it's not that we doubt God and what he does. It's that we doubt ourselves to have the ability to receive what God has for us. And that's the doubt. So God can heal, but he's probably not going to heal me because I'm continually seeing myself through the lens of the sin that I'm struggling with. God can give, but he's not going to give me because I hardly ever give anybody anything. So God ain't going to do nothing for me because I don't give. So I judge myself according to the situations that I'm facing and then place doubt in who God has called me to be. And so then I struggle to be faithful. Because I don't think that is going to be possible for me. So your posture is essential when it comes to faithfulness. Because you're not going to be faithful if you see yourself less than how I think of myself, how I think God sees me, sees me keeps me from being faithful. Yeah. Right. To be fully persuaded. Saints, means that I'm fully persuaded about him. Yeah. I'm fully persuaded yeah. about me yeah. in him. That's right. You know, I think it was three years ago, I don't know, five years ago, um, my blood sugar, my mom's here, she knows this story. So, so, so this great thing was happening, I was getting thirsty a lot, and then I would go to the bathroom a lot. Turns out if you drink a lot of water, you then have to go to the bathroom also. <laughs> so, so that was happening, that was happening quite a bit, and then uh, she then said, hey, let's just test your blood sugar, Okay, let's test my blood sugar, and my blood sugar was 540. Okay, well, yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. See, so, so she goes, "Oh my gosh, we got to do something that bothers." I'm like, "Okay, but I'm losing weight, man. This is great. This is fantastic, huh?" (laughs) But, but you know what? I knew before this blood sugar was 540. I knew that eating right was a good thing, a good principle, and I knew that exercise was a good principle. And so then when we got deeper into the situation, I was told, hey, listen, we're talking about diabetes here. And being diabetic, there's a good potential that you could lose your feet. How many of y'all know I became fully persuaded and diet and exercise (laughs) at that point? And so I kind of started taking it seriously, you know? I kind of taking it seriously until I got into this evil world called comfortable. And then I became comfortable and then I let it sleep again. And then again I had to talk and talk and meet with somebody and then I became fully persuaded and then I started going again and trying to get myself uh, uh, running and exercising so that I can get my weight in order. But that's what fully persuaded is. When you're fully persuaded you stop finding the reasons why you're not doing it, you start finding the reasons how you can do it. That's what fully persuaded is. So when you're fully persuaded in who God is, you are looking for ways to make sure that you show up, that you make sure that you show that God is him who has called you into this magnificent light, that you are able, that you're able to do, he's able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly that you can think or ask or imagine of him. But you've got to position yourself in that place to receive that blessing. You see, That's why you are here. You are trying to get to fully persuaded. And you constantly have to be in front of the word to move to a position of fully persuaded. That's why I started working out and you stopped. That's why you do all these things because you know it to be right. So which means you have a cognitive comprehension of the principle. You have a cognitive comprehension of the word but you're not fully persuaded. That's why you don't do it. But when you move into full persuasion, there's no other option. Is God the only way? If God is the only way to truth and salvation, you now that means nobody else is coming. If God don't do it, nobody else is doing it. If God don't rescue you from this situation? Nobody else is coming to do it for you. So I hold on to the fact that God, you are the only way and I'm fully persuaded in that. That's good. You remember in Exodus chapter four, when we did that series with Pastor Josh and he talked about the three uh, Hebrew boys, okay? Actually, no, not yet, not yet. In Exodus chapter three and verse 14, God is talking to Moses. Moses. And he's telling Moses, hey, listen, I'm calling you to go help set my people free. And in verse 13, what does he say? He says, hey, listen, God, okay, I hear you, but I'm not the guy. You should send somebody else, okay? And the Bible says in verse 14 that the Lord burned with anger. Why? Because Moses was doubting himself. Yeah. He was doubting the word, the word that God had spoken about him. Yep. Wow! He was doubting that. He was doubting that God had told him that you are able to do these things and you are set apart to do these things and when he began to doubt, that's when the anger of the Lord burned. Yep. Right. Are you doubting yourself? Do you continually see yourself through the lens of your sin? Do you continually see yourself through the lens of your mistakes? Through the lens of your shortcomings? Do you continually see yourself through the things that you are unable to do? Do you continually see yourself through the lens of your excuses? Come on. Because if you continually see yourself in that manner, you will struggle to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 3, first and verse 2. The Bible says Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant. And then verse 6 says Jesus was faithful in all of God's house as a son. The servant speaks to position. He was only faithful from the time he started. The time he ended, Jesus is faithful forever. So here's the question In your faithfulness, is it conditional to the task that you are doing, and once the task is over, then you fall away from your faithfulness? Or is your position to say, This thing is forever? This thing is forever. I'm not making an excuse. I'm here until he comes. So what position are you going to take? So you know we talk about the measure of faith. You know, you hear people saying, hey, the Bible says this is given to the measure of faith that you are given to. And so measure of faith is speaking to exactly that. My faith is in correlation to what I understand and how fully persuaded I am. So when you see people and you think, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. He gets the Bible. He's so full of the word. That's just the ability to understand and the level of persuasion. So which means then, if you're wanting to grow in faith, which subsequently grows in faithfulness, I got to seek to understand and to grow in persuasion. And if you do that, Then, then you grow, and when you grow, you begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. Let's talk about the benefits of faithfulness. There's a popular scripture that uh, most people quote, and I've seen it time and time again, and that is John chapter eight and verse thirty-two. Okay, it's popular scripture, and the Bible says. And you will know the truth. And the truth will? There you go. Wow, you guys are much more bombastic than first service. <laughs> I love you, first service. You guys are fantastic. A cognitive understanding of the, f- of the truth does not lead to true liberty. Because the preceding scripture... Verse 31, if you look at the New Living Translation, it says, if you are faithful to my teachings, if you're faithful to my commands, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So which means that a cognitive comprehension of truth does not lead to true liberty. But when you are faithful to what God is telling you, it's one thing to know that God is a healer and another thing to know that he healed me. It's one thing to know that God can give and another thing for him to provide for me. It's one thing to know that God is able to break through for me and another thing when he actually does it. So when I'm faithful to his word i not only know that he is able i can see that he is able i go from knowledge to experience and once i experience it you cannot change my mind that god is good because he's been good to me you cannot change my mind that god can break through because he broke through for me Because I've been faithful to observing the command. That's where the revelation is. Uh You know, we always love this. Set up the stage. Pastor David Terry's on point with the guitar. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Becky Woodle's on tune. Singing that song. (laughs) And Miss Judy, oh Hallelujah. And right in that moment, Pastor Josh grabs the mic and he says, I got a word from God, right? That's the revelation. We love that, right? And all of a sudden, the room just goes quiet and you can sense the air. You can feel like, ooh, something's about to go down. And he gives you that word, that revelatory word. Yay, that's awesome. Great, love that. Then you get into your car. And you go home. The dishes ain't done. The laundry has been waiting. The kids are crying, and you got that call, and by the time you've go to bed, you forgot what that word was. It's got no relevance to you anymore. It was powerful in the time it was said, but once I hear a word and follow the principle and follow the teaching, that's when I experience revelation. So faithfulness brings about revelation. Because no longer is it just the cognitive understanding of what is happening, but I actually experience it. Yeah. and then I find liberty. Yeah. So here's the thing: we've got to find liberty in being faithful in the precepts that God has set for us.. Yeah. That is imperative. You hear, "I'm struggling with finances." Well, they are principles. Right precepts and laws about finances. If you're faithful to those principles, you will have revelation and you will come up from underneath financial struggle. While I'm struggling with addiction, they're principles. They're laws. They're not hidden from you. They're right there in front of you. You know them. If you're faithful to them, You eventually come up from struggling with the addiction. My marriage, they're principles, (laughs) (laughs) they're they're, they're laws. And if you're faithful to them, (laughs) then you will know, then you'll have revelation. And all of a sudden, you know the truth. Now, it says two things, right? It says, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? It will set you free. Man, I'm from an African country. There's one word that Americans love so much, and that's the word freedom. Americans love freedom so much. But there's really no such thing as freedom. I mean... That guy in the back, they can't just stand up and start busting a rap song right in that corner over there. We will be like, hey, 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 can somebody take him out? Because freedom is not, I can just do whatever I want. So he cannot just get up and just start... Where's Kobe? We'll be asking for him to be taken out because there's an understanding... Of how this is supposed to work, and you are faithful to it for this to have sense. Come on. So, which means there's no such thing as true liberty. You are either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, when you're a slave to righteousness, which means a slave to righteousness, what does that mean? I obey the principles, <laughs> I experience a revelation, right. and all of a sudden, I experience true liberty. You know, I learned how to ride a bike. So scared during the whole process. I fell a couple of times. But then the principal says, this is how you learn how to ride a bike. It's not like there are 15 ways. You just have to ride the bike to learn how to ride the bike. (laughs) So, got on the bike, learned how to ride a bike. And then when I could do it, there was the revelation. And guess what else I felt? This jubilation and excitement that I had done it. There's your liberty. There's your liberty. When you start following the principles that God has given you and you start seeing the revelation of his truth, all of a sudden you start sensing a freedom that comes only from him and only he can set you free in the truest sense of freedom that you are not bound by your thoughts. You are not bound by the words that were spoken by other people but you believe in the utmost way that God has set me free and set me free to shine and walk in glory but it ain't happening if I'm not faithful yeah, come on. you know that's why that a man brings his son to Jesus he says I do believe yeah. but help my unbelief yeah. he's saying I believe you can do it Jesus but help my unbelief because I'm struggling with my ability to come to this place yeah. And that's where our struggle is, to come to this place where you believe he can do it and wants to do it for you. The other thing that faithfulness does is that it opens the doors to leadership. I love this. I love this. Love this. Luke chapter 16 and verse 12. If you are faithful with someone else's, or if you're unfaithful with someone else's, how can God trust you with your own? Another American thing that I hear, I'm not saying these things are bad, I'm just saying I hear them when I came into this country, I'm 15 years in this country, is the concept of church hurt. But what I understand is you go to the house of God that God has called you to go to, But when you go there, the idea is not just for you to come and sit in the chair. Right? Now, it's cool for me to stand here and the chairs are full. I know it's cool. And the leadership loves that. We love that. We want that. But then your job is not to just come and sit in the chair. Because when you are faithful with somebody else's, which is the ministry that you have entrusted yourself to, what you bring is you bring your anointing, you bring your gifting, you bring your talent, you do not withhold that back, you are faithful with somebody else's, and then God will set you up on your own. But when you show that you cannot even hold somebody else's, then how can you be trusted with your own? So when there's church hurt, you see, the thing is, the thing is, I picked up this water bottle. I picked up the top. But you know what else I picked up? The bottom. So when I pick up the vision of this church, you know what else I'm picking up? The struggles. So when I just look at the struggles and then I become faithless and withhold my gift, withhold myself from ministry and say, I will not volunteer. I will not be in a group. I'm just going to come on Sunday. Just listen to what's going on and just go on my merry way. You're assuming that you're just picking up the top, but you're also picking up the bottom. And when you hold yourself because of the struggles that you see of the church, then you experience church hurt because when you picked it up, you thought you were just picking up the top. (laughs) So So for me, I'm not minimizing anybody's pain, but I'm just saying church hurt. You've got to look at that and see that the people that have been trusted with the vision that we're walking in are also people and they have their hurts. They've gone through their pains. They have their labors, their struggles. They can wake up in the morning not knowing how the bill is going to get paid, how how things are going to work together, how we're going to go from A to B to C to follow the vision. And they go through their own thing. They have their hurt. But when you're faithful with that, even in the moment that is uncomfortable, because you're faithful with somebody else's, God sees that. Then the doors open for you because you partnered with somebody else's vision. There's a differentiation between gifts and fruit. And this is in regards to leadership. Most oftentimes, when we look at leaders, the thing that we tend to look at is their gift. So if they're awesome speakers, we look at that and we think, oh my gosh, that's just, that's just amazing. Powerful speakers. Prophetic. They walk in the prophetic. And we think that's amazing. Which it is. But how many of you know that the gift and the call of God is without repentance? It's irrevocable, which means that the gift is always going to be there. Whether you've got a crummy character, whether you're a lying person, the gift is always going to be there. Because you can do what you need to do what you want to do with a gift. It's a gift. You don't have, there's no prerequisite to receiving the gift that God has placed inside of you. Another beautiful American concept, re-gifting. Where I come from, you get it, you're going to use it somehow. It's going to work. Or you're like, I'm too scared to see my mom has given me this jersey and then my uncle has it another day. I'm too scared for that to happen. But here is a beautiful thing. It's like, oh, but we're not going to use this. Go, go ahead go ahead and give it to the neighbors down the road. Because it's a gift. You can do what you choose with the gift. But you know with the fruit, it's just manifest. So when you're looking at the leader who you're going to entrust your gifts, your talents, and your anointings to, don't look at the gifts that they possess. Look to the fruit. Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? Which means, do they walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And that is what people should look to you for when they're looking to be led by you. That's right. That's good. The fourth thing that is a benefit to faithfulness is that faithfulness allows us to shine. Another series that we had with uh, with Pastor Josh, man, you've got some amazing words. I Everything mean, just back to what you said. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a situation. This dude, this king dude, (laughs) decides to make a statue, okay? And he puts the statue up and he says, okay, y'all, when I blow this thing, y'all got to kneel to the statue. But the Hebrew boys realize that they're faithful. Remember, you got to be faithful to what? To a word. You're not just faithful for the sake of being faithful. So what do they do? They look to the word. What do the word say? You will worship only God. So then they go to the king and they say, uh, okay, we've got a situation. I'm faithful. I'm not going to be able to bow because see that word there? I'm faithful to it. And, 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 and you know what? God is able to rescue me. But even If he does not, because I'm fully persuaded to this word. I'm not waiting to see a breakthrough for me to remain faithful to what God has called me to do. So whether I see it or not, ah, here I am to stand. I'm going to stand in what he has said about me. I'm going to stand to the truth of what he has called me to. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet still will I hope in him. Like Habakkuk, I hope I said that right. That's how when he says that even though the fig tree does not bud, nor the the, the land yield its fruit, yet still will I hope in him. Because he's fully persuaded. So you look at it. Has God come through? When he didn't, I still held on. Mm -hmm. Because you know why? I'm fully persuaded there's no one else coming. There's no Calvary coming. (laughs) You know, like in the TV shows, the Calvary always comes. It ain't coming. (laughs) It's only him that you put your hope and your trust in. The reason why the Bible says, war is he who puts his hope and trust in a man It's because men will let you down. Because you know what men is like? They're like you. They don't always get it right. And so because they're like you, they're going to fail sometime. So if we're going to be like the Hebrew boys, we hold on regardless of what we see and what we experience. We hold on to the truth of his word. The other thing is it allows us to shine in our generation seems like life is lived on social media. How you respond is essential because you're a witness. Right. The Bible says you need to return a word with a gentle answer. But when sometimes we go on that social media thing and we go, how could you say that on social media? <laughs> you're going to burn in hell. God have mercy on you. The Bible principle says mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. Right? Mourn with those who mourn. It doesn't say mourn with the righteous when they mourn. It says mourn with those who mourn. So which means whether they're unrighteous or unrighteous, if they're going through a thing and they're mourning, I mourn with them. Yeah. But sometimes I like, thought oh, you deserve that. You shouldn't come. See, that's what happens when you don't walk with God. <laughs> that's what happens. God bless you. <laughs> And that's the response. And you're standing as a witness. That's what you and I are, witnesses. And if we're faith unfaithful to the word, we become, we become witnesses that speak the wrong message entirely. That's why sometimes people don't even want to come to the Lord. Because if this is what Christianity is, can you imagine God doing that? Jesus doing that? He comes across that dude who was blind. And then the people say, hey, was it his parents who sinned? Imagine Jesus going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important what your parents do with your kids. Now look at the guy. He blind because you didn't follow these all these principles and stuff. That's what happens to you, sir. Go talk to your mom and dad. Imagine Jesus talk like that. But Jesus says, no. But for the glory of God to be revealed, watch now that you can see the revelation of the Lord and how good God is. Can God see? Can the world see how good God is through you or they just see a judgmental God? Because you are the Jesus that they carry. But if you are faithful to his word and how he teaches us to walk, you will shine like the noonday sun and people will see the hope that you carry, the light that you carry and be drawn to it. Watch what you say. It is not just what you say, it's how you say it. Because in saying the right things in the right way causes you to shine and be the light upon the hill. Are we going to be men and women of faith? See, here's the thing about, about faithfulness. Matthew 25 and 21 Talks about good and faithful servant. Those are words that are spoken at the end. Because remember, your faithfulness is going to be tested. To see how faithful you are, you have to go through a test. And the results of this test is going to come really at the end. So if you say, I, I struggle with the concept of faithfulness. Really, you're struggling with the concept of faith. If you're struggling with that, you've got until the end. Because for me to live is Christ. Yes. Which means his word still lives in me. That's right. Which means I still have an opportunity. The Bible says seven times a righteous man falls. How many times does he get up? seven seven times a righteous man falls seven times he gets up are you going to get up isn't it time that you got up isn't it that time I'm going to ask the altar ministry to just come to the front here because God's about to do some shaking this morning the Bible says when you hear his voice harden not your heart and today is an opportunity for salvation. Salvation is actually complete. It's not just saying, Jesus, I accept you in my life, which is part of it, but it's full salvation. Yeah. And today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed.